grace, and, well, may grace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I proceed today with small, faltering steps, hoping against hope that this message today is true and trustworthy. Whoever finds his sermon will lose it, and whoever loses his sermon, for my sake, will find it. Because you see, I have lost my sermon. I don't mean I lost it the way a person loses their cell phone or their car keys, or the way a person loses a computer file because they forgot to save it. No. I lost my sermon because... I thought I knew what this passage from Matthew chapter 10 was all about. But now I'm not so sure. Well, actually I'm pretty sure what I thought it meant was wrong, or at least not enough. Because you see, most of Matthew's 10th chapter is made up of Jesus' instructions to his disciples. Disciples who are first named and then sent out. But before he sends them out, Jesus instructs them. And these instructions are spoken specifically about this, their first unaccompanied preaching tour. Jesus tells the twelve they are not to go among the Gentiles. They are not to accept pay for their work and so on. And as we continue to listen to Jesus, his instructions become less historical and easier for you and I to apply to ourselves today. He says, we go as sheep among wolves. We can rely on the Spirit to speak through us. We will suffer opposition and persecution." But we need not be afraid, for our Father in heaven cherishes us. And then comes the passage you just heard in our gospel reading for today, beginning at verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. It all seems clear enough, even if we don't exactly want to hear the words. We know that following Jesus will rarely make us popular, and will very likely result in division between us and people that we care about our family, our friends, even our closest friends. And we know that we have to put Jesus first. And we do want to love Him more. We know that any life without Him is not worth living. Is not really living at all. These are hard words to be sure. But necessary and appropriate words for any disciple who is going out in this world to confess Him. 
This section of Matthew's Gospel really adds little to the earlier section in verses 16 through 25, other than to take the context out of the courtroom and bring it into the living room. Jesus is preparing His disciples to be criticized, condemned, opposed, mocked, driven out, persecuted, and even killed by anyone, almost everyone they meet. But what bothered me about my understanding of Jesus' words here, what troubled and disturbed me was how peaceful I felt about all of this. Yes, we Christians know to expect hostility from unbelievers. But we also know that God will protect us. God will reward us with life everlasting one day with Him. And I guess it finally bothered me that my Lord's denial, that He has come to bring peace, should give me peace. And in thinking about what I thought this message was about, talking about also brought to my mind this very strange picture. Because according to this way of thinking, it seemed that Jesus was bringing a sword and then handing it over to my enemies. Enemies who would use this sword either to attack me or to cut me off. Enemies that would be in my own household. And now, Jesus has just armed them. Something is really wrong with that. But what else can Jesus be saying? And then slowly, slowly an infinitely more terrifying picture begins to form. A picture that I haven't been quite able to shake. That a Jesus I barely recognize comes bearing a sword and then hands it to me. It looks sharp. What am I supposed to do with this? I ask. Cut, he says. Swing, sever, devour, divide, loose. I am the Prince of Life. I make no treaty with death. I am the Righteous One. Where I rule, sin must be deposed, exiled, exterminated. I am the God of love. Jealous, consuming, unquenchable love. There can be for you no other beloved who vies for my throne. Who steals my altar. There is no middle ground here, soldier. The battle is on. Peace at this point could only be surrender. But he knows, and I know, that my enemies are sometimes even closer than the members of my own household. This sword-wielding Savior comes to shatter the peace that is a facade of peace. The sword he brings is to bring an end to all my easy compromises with the enemy. All my secret treaties. All my under-the-table dealing with death right into the facade of peace that I worked so hard to achieve. He cast the sword. Everything that makes me unworthy of Him must be cut away. Everything. Everything. 
I had always thought that this passage was about my enemies. But now I begin to see that it's about me. It's about Jesus coming to me. It's about Jesus coming to you. Because each one of us has and does our own evil, which we ourselves must renounce or cling to. And therefore the line of division is terrifyingly personal. Not peaceful, terrifyingly personal. Martin Franzman wrote, The division cuts through all human connections and dissolves every nexus that human life knows. And since it is an absolute division, the decision and the renunciation which it involves are agonizingly absolute. Terrifyingly personal, agonizingly absolute. Definitely not peace, but a sword. But even now, even now my desire to sheathe the sword and end on a peaceful note betrays me. When I began this sermon, I thought I had the conclusion. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I thought I knew where I was going to end. But now I've lost that too. Because you see, all of those thoughts of cutting away everything that brought peace with myself and the world was all this time driving me further away from Jesus. It actually reminded me of poor Eustace in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader from the Narnia series. And of course I was thinking of Eustace the Dragon. And as I was thinking of that moment when Eustace wanted out of his dragon skin but couldn't peel it off, Why couldn't he peel it off? Because there was another layer of dragon skin beneath. When Aslan had to pierce his heart with his claw right into Eustace's heart and flay poor Eustace in order to free him. That picture of me holding the sword of Christ was about as ridiculous as Eustace trying to peel off his own skin. I cannot. I have to plead with the sword bringer, handing him back the sword, but I do so desperately want to be free. I was willing, I thought, to be baptized with the baptism Eustace had received, to be hurt for a moment like nothing I had ever experienced before, so that I could instantly feel the delicious relief to feel peace again, to be myself again, Though I should have remembered that wasn't exactly the end of the story for Eustace either. For our Lord will not give us a quick and easy happy ending. Not even a quick and painful happy ending. He gives us instead a new beginning. He gives us a call. Now, no matter the reason that you are here today, you are called to follow Him. Called to take up your cross and follow Him. As Franzman further explains, since the Christ is the one living man in all this dying world, the one possible deliverer from sin, the one light in darkness, 
There is no possibility of a loyalty divided between Him and anyone or anything else. Father, mother, son, daughter, honor and life, both lost upon the cross. All must go. To find life in this world is to find a doomed life. To lose one's life in this world for the Christ's sake is to lose the doomed life and to find the one real life in Him. This division from everyone and everything else so that our loyalty can be completely His. The loss of the doomed life is not a simple surgical procedure. Harmful relationships with others may be broken instantly and forever. Some sins may be easily abandoned. And every once in a while, may we be honest with ourselves. For your Lord doesn't call you to a weekend retreat. He doesn't invite you to a self-help seminar. He calls you to follow Him. He calls you to take up your cross and follow Him. He it is who bears His own cross. He calls you to a life that is losing a life. And He promises that at the end of this way, and at the end of this way alone, you will find life. may not feel like it, but your Lord and Savior Jesus has already done the heavy lifting for you. He is your peace. It is a long walk, but a walk that you won't take alone. And truly blessed is the one who offers you a cup of cold water along the way. To God alone be all the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Oh,